Blog Talk Radio. episode of the State of Independence podcast. I'm your host, Jeff McMenamin, a Metro Philly, along with Philly.com's Michael Cassie Blumain. Um, as always, you can add our podcast on the app Stitcher. And, uh, you know, make sure to give us a follow on Twitter at 76ers Report. Um, you know, to have, uh, you know, the to be the best, right, Mike, you have to beat the best. Um, are you still riding the high of the win over the Hawks on Saturday? Yeah, I am, Jeff. It was uh, a nice little distraction from all the things the Eagles are doing. I'm uh, pretty glad that we're not, <laughs> we're, not a, we're not an Eagles podcast because I would be pretty much lost for words, I think, if, uh, if that was the case. But, uh, yeah, oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> as far as the Sixers, I was at uh, I was down at Wells Fargo on um, on Saturday to see that Hawks game, and it was uh, it was one of their best efforts of the season, I would have to say, as far as, like, energy and hustle. It was just really nice to see um, – so it was kind of a throwback to how they had been playing prior to the uh, the trade deadline, you know, where they were kind of like a cohesive unit, uh, you know, scrappy playing D, playing together. It was probably the most complete game that was reminiscent of that since, um, you know, since some of those moves were made at the trade deadline. Yeah, I actually, you know, was down at the complex this Saturday. Um, I had watched the Villanova uh, drubbing of St. John's down there and, um, I almost forgot there was a Sixers game that night and to, you know, to come back and, you know, see them, you know, beat the Hawks the way they did was just an impressive thing. Um, definitely a high note on the season and this new group that has come in, you know, that's something to work on the rest of the way. So, you know, very positive. Um, we're riding the high of that to find out this week, you know, Joel Embiid suffering, what's being called a minor setback, um, you know, requiring requiring him to start wearing that protective boot again on his right foot. And, uh, you know, he was seen limping, and there's apparent soreness in his foot right now. You know, how troubling was this news for you, Mike? I mean, it's pretty troubling, Jeff, I think. Uh, I mean, it's not completely completely unexpected. You know, there was concerns about Joel's health prior to the draft, probably, you know, caused him to slip down from the first spot with the, uh, you know, the foot injury like a week before the actual draft happened. And, uh, you know, it seemed like everything had been going well throughout the season, uh, minus other than the uh, the report a couple months back about him being slightly overweight. You know, he had uh, he's out before the game shooting around. He did obviously that <clears throat> crazy two-leg uh, dunk that was making his round on social media mm-hmm. last week. 
And, you know, I think that people were starting to get excited. A lot of people were asking me if he was maybe even going to see some time this season on the court. Um, I think, obviously, this latest setback answers that question that we all pretty much knew all along anyway that, you know, Joel is not going to be playing for the Sixers at all this season. Um, with that said, the, the most concerning thing about it is it's just it's another reminder of the state of uncertainty that the Sixers are really, you know, stuck in the middle of now. Until we can, until he can kind of do what Netherlands has done this season and just get out on the court and show that he's durable and can play and can you know stand up to the rigors of an NBA season, I think a lot of Sixers fans are going to be kind of sitting around holding their breath, wondering, you know, is this guy not necessarily talented enough to be the, the you know the piece that we build the franchise about, but is he durable enough or? You know, are we going to kind of build this team around this guy that's not ever going to be able to realize his full potential? So I think from that aspect, the uh, the injury is a little bit concerning. You know, I wouldn't take it too far. Brett Brett Brown was pretty adamant that it was more precautionary. It was just a minor setback. You know, it wasn't like a you know a big issue, but still, I would say it's, it's definitely something that would raise a little bit of concern from me and the Sixers fan base. Uh, how did you take that news? Man, I mean, it's it's hard not to be concerned here, Mike. You know, after the whole Andrew Bynum fiasco, you'd think the organization would really take every measure possible to protect their most prized asset out there. Um, you know, maybe everyone is just kind of overreacting, and this isn't as big as a deal as, you know, it's being made out to be. But, you know, I, for one, would not let my, you know, big man – do these between the legs dunks in practice just, you know, a few weeks after returning. Uh, in my opinion, you know, he should have been on a much shorter leash. And I, you know, really, really hope this isn't anything more serious than it is. Um, but, you know, with this all in mind, how does this affect, you know, the Sixers' plan of action in the draft? Will they opt to go big now with the uncertainty of Embiid or – you know, should they just stick to their immediate team need right now at point guard? You know, Jeff, that's a great question. I think that's probably one of the biggest issues raised by this, um, you know, this recent Embiid setback. I think if, you know, he had continued on the path of recovery throughout the season with no setbacks and was on pace to return, um, you know, with no issues in the summer league, there wouldn't be much pause as to, you know, we have a couple big guys for the future. Now I think the uh, I guess the like the worry about MB is kind of brought back to the forefront right in time for you know draft preparation to start. You'd have to think you know with the the top of the draft is heavy with big guys obviously with you know Okafor and uh, Carter Anthony Towns and you know there's some highly touted big guys at the top of the draft and with uncertainty surrounding MB you definitely have to wonder if you know they would the Sixers would want to look that way again. It's kind of hard to imagine a team taking you know, a center with their lottery pick three years in a row. But, I mean, with the uncertainty surrounding Joel, I think it's, you know, maybe a best player available situation depending on where they land in the lottery. Um, it's definitely something interesting to pay attention to moving forward up until June. How do you think the, uh, you know, this latest news affects their plans, if at all? I mean, it's interesting to at least discuss. Uh, the organization obviously has a better idea about you know, everything indeed related right now. Um, you know, if they think that this is going to be a serious problem down the road, you know, you might as well go for one of those, uh, you know, top two players who seem like legit NBA bigs right now in the foreign towns. You know, this obviously also depends on their pick. Um, but if they end up with 
you know, that number one or number two pick, this is going to be a really tough decision for the team to make. I mean, if Embiid checks out fine around draft day, uh, I think you have to go for Russell or Moutier. I mean, if that means moving down in the draft to acquire, you know, maybe the third or fourth pick, if you do end up with that number one or two pick, uh, you know, wonderful. Uh, the front court will become too crowded if they, you know, take one of those two and then Embiid comes back being fully healthy. Uh, but do you see this as, you know, a potential issue? Yeah, um, I mean, I do. It's definitely it's definitely an issue, especially with the, uh, you know, the improving play of Nerland throughout the season. Um, you know, he's kind of established himself as another definitely, you know, a piece, a valuable piece for the Sixers franchise. And, you know, it would be tough to, <laughs> if they did go the route of a big guy in the draft, like you said, the, the front court would just be too crowded. Um, I mean, that's not necessarily a terrible problem to have if you have three good young center prospects, of course, you know, there's, the market could be worked with that way, but it's just, you know, it's just a lot of confusion. I, I honestly, I feel like right now, um, stemming back to that Embiid selection last year, you know, you feel like if maybe it had been Wiggins that ended up on the Sixers, things might have been a little different as far as, you know, we have Carter Williams, Wiggins, Noel, Tariq, and, you know, sort of a different path. A big guy would be obviously more of a target this year, but now with Embiid already in tow, Mike Don, there's pretty much holes up, up and down the lineup other than the front court. You know, we need a point guard, shooting guard, small forward. There's positions that need to be filled, and there's also the MB question. So, I mean, Sam is definitely going to be busy in the summer trying to, you know, look at the best-case scenarios. But at least we have, you know, they have two or three, potentially four first-round picks, which at least gives them an opportunity to address, hopefully, potentially multiple issues with high-round talent in, that, in the June draft. Yeah, and, you know, moving on to Nerland's Noel's play, uh, I mean, he's the only player in the NBA right now with 100 steals and blocks this season. He's averaging 11.2 points, 12 rebounds, 3.6 steals, and two blocks over his last five games. Uh, you know, what have you seen from him, you know, his play lately, both defensively and offensively? His his growth has just been really nice to watch throughout the season. Um, you know, from the first few weeks of the year where he really looked confused, uh, you know, overmatched, uh, lost on the offensive end. I mean, he could always rebound and block shots just naturally. But I feel like you've really got to see his progression as a player throughout the year already. Um, the fact of how few games he's missed, he's only missed five games so far, I think is the first positive um, mm-hmm. threat. I kind of alluded to that after, you know, his his performance against the Hawks on Saturday. People, you know, he was asked if he had noticed or how he felt about Noel's, you know, improving play recently. And he said that he really thought that Noel just getting back into the swing of playing basketball so much had really helped him. You know, he had been out, you know, sidelined for over a year, comes back to start the season, he's kind of rusty. And, you know, people are kind of looking at him like, oh, is this guy really going to be you know, what the hype, you know, worthy of the selection that he had. And I feel like just the more he's gotten the opportunity to get out and play and get familiar, win back and everything, I think it's really improved. Um, Defensively, he's shown flashes of ability to be, I mean, one of the best defensive players in the league down the road. His weak side help on drives, on like driving players is amazing. His ability to switch on, uh, you know, from a big guy out to a perimeter player and 
stay in front of him. Combined with just his natural like hustle and athleticism, I really feel like he has the makings of an elite defensive player. Um, you know, Serge Ibaka comes to mind, someone that can really alter the game on the defensive end. And um, offensively, you know, he's he's improving. He's never probably going to be that guy that, you know, you dump the ball down to in the post and you look to get 20 points a game from. But you can tell that he's getting more confidence, uh, you know, in and around the basket, little drop step, the baby hook. He's starting to dunk on guys in games, like, more often, which is awesome to see, you know, catching oops. Mm-hmm. You know, not you know, not shying away from the contact, drawn in ones, looking down on guys after he dunks. Just kind of getting an extra bounce to his step that I feel like it's coming with confidence and playing more that he didn't necessarily have in the beginning of the season. And I think a lot of that is, um, you know, since Mike left, uh, I actually uh, we we asked Netherlands after the game on Saturday against the Hawks if he felt, you know, kind of like an added. Had a need to step up for the team in the absence of Mike, and he said, you know, absolutely. He looks around the locker room, sees like a lot of young guys, you know, new faces. He's a, he's been in the system though. He's he's only played this season. He's been around for mm-hmm. you know, almost two full seasons now, so he kind of sees himself as a locker room leader. And you know, he's he's a quiet guy. He's sort of like humble, so he's he's doing his leading by his play, you know, with his hustle and his energy out on the court. And I think it's just becoming evident, you know, his. I think his potential value just seems to be increasing almost every game. Yeah, I mean, you've got to like his motor, Mike. Uh, you know, outside of maybe Allen Iverson, Andre Godala, Thaddeus Young, I haven't really seen a sixer that, you know, hustles as much as Noel does out there on the court in, you know, every facet of the game. Um, I think the difference in his play now, like, you know, you were talking about, um, from the start of the season is just really adapting to the NBA style of play and, you know, really focusing on putting in the ex- extra work on his shot, you know, getting that personal trainer to, you know, work those late hours into the night, really, you know, developing that shot more and more. Um, and, you know, Brett Brown even talked about how guys, you know, would go to the practice facility late at night and put in those extra hours he talked about, you know, Noel and MCW as, you know, the key guys that would do that. And, um, you know, it's nice to see your rookie really developing into that leadership role, um, like you talked about, just being the face of the franchise and really, you know, taking advantage of every opportunity he has. Um, but, you know, once again, this is the State of Independence podcast. I'm your host, Jeff McManaman, alongside Michael katsky Blomayan. And, you know, Noel's play really, you know, makes that rookie of the year race now just much closer. Um, Do you think that Noel has any shot to dethrone Wiggins? In reality, Jeff, I I don't. I mean, I think think Wiggins pretty much has it locked up, uh, you know, largely due to, I guess, this, I don't, I guess his consistency throughout the year. I mean, Wiggins has obviously mm. gotten better himself, much, much better throughout the year. He's really starting to look like that superstar that, you know, many have in Philly projected him to be and a lot of why he was top pick in the draft. Um, Noel, at least his, his play improving, you know, since the all-star game stuff makes the race interesting for a while. It was kind of looking like, a, you know, Wiggins would run away with it. Um, Noel and also uh, Nikola Miritich from Chicago, who has really turned it on recently, um, playing much better. I feel like those three are kind of going to be the finalists down down the stretch here in the Rookie of the Year race. Um, Noel probably will come in second, 
you know, he's how he's dominating more statistical categories, uh, blocks, steals, boards, um, double-doubles. It's kind of similar to how Carter Williams did last year, just not with the assists and the points. But, um, you know, Wiggins is averaging almost 16 points a game uh, so far. He's played 52 games. He's starting for the Timberwolves, shooting 44%, 34 from three. I mean, I, I think that just statistically and the fact that he's kind of done it throughout the year, whereas Noel might have came on a little bit later, gives Wiggins the advantage, but I mean, that's no disrespect to Noel. He's making, you know, he's making the race interesting. Yeah, I'd like to say it's neck and neck, but realistically, you know, I think Wiggins will still win by a large margin. Um, you know, defensively, there hasn't been a rookie that affects a game like Noel in a long time, but, you know, usually those offensive statistics are what wins this award. Um, you know, Noel's 11 points, 17 rebounds, five steal performance against the Hawks hadn't been done in 12 years um, when Shaquille O'Neal did it. Uh, 11 double doubles leads all rookies a season as well. But you know, Wiggins is averaging 18.1 points and four rebounds over his last 10 games. And uh, you know, the Timberwolves and Sixers are pretty much neck and neck in terms of futility in the standings right now. But it really comes down to consistency and, you know, Wiggins has proved to be the more consistent one throughout the year. Um, you know, if Noel was playing, you know, the way he's playing right now throughout the season, I think it's his award to lose. But now it's, you know, if Wiggins really slips up down the end of the year, maybe Noel can slip in there. I just don't really see it happening, but, um, yeah, and like you, know, you say, said, voters, voters yeah. care about the, uh, the, you know, points a lot, too. And you see a guy, a rookie, coming in and averaging almost 16 points a game, that, you know, that automatically draws the attention of voters. Mm-hmm. But for from the Sixers' side, I wouldn't even, I mean, rookie of the year is a nice award, but look what it got Carter Williams. You know what I mean? It's got him a ticket out of town mm-hmm. next season. It's not, it's nothing, you know, if Noel ends up second, it's not going to affect, it shouldn't affect the way any of us feel about the season that he's had. I mean, he's, developing and showing himself as to be a defensive, a dominant defender for us down the line. Um, and, I, you know, I, I would say how he kind of, like you said, how he's dominating statistically is it's more impressive almost than Wiggins scoring 16 points a game. It was just, I, you know, I feel like his push has came a little too late. But, you know, a couple of years down the road, you know, it's going to be neck and neck between those two, just as far as, you know, um, contributing to the teams, I think. And, you know, I really hate this topic, but, um, you know, if the Sixers do end up going big in the draft, uh, you know, what does that mean for Noel's future? Um, Is he a guy that you keep? Or, you know, from a basketball standpoint, is he, you know, a guy you trade at its highest value? That's, I mean, that's a tough one. You know, as far as you and I both know, it's almost impossible to predict what, you know, Sam would do, although I think Chip, mm-hmm. Chip is trying to give him a run for his money these days. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, personally, from what I've seen from Nerland so far this season, he is not, not a piece that I would be looking to move. I feel, like you said, I mean, rookies do not have the, the type of impact defensively that Nerland is having. I mean, he's he's basically a top 10, you know, big guy defender in the league already as a rookie learning the ropes on a rebuilding team. I mean, let him gain 15, 20 pounds, a couple of years of experience and, you know, a little more polished offensive game. And I, I think 
you know, sky's the limit for Noel, especially with the work that he's willing to put in and the natural athleticism and skill set that he has. He just, to me, seems like a, you know, a, a, not necessarily a once-in-a-lifetime player, but he's one of those players that, you know, you, they don't come around often and they, they make for championship teams. They make for good teams. Um, you know, obviously you have to weigh all options, see, you know, see what the, uh, what's on the table, what you could do with them. But, I mean, it's not it's not a situation similar to Mike where I would trade Noel for an unknown. Like, I, I would not trade him for, mm-hmm. you know, a, a potential draft pick down the line, be it a lottery pick or not. But, you know, with Mike, that's it's one thing. It's understandable. Point guards are, you know, there's so many good ones around right now. There's good ones in the draft. I just feel like the skill set that Noel brings to the team and has already in his short career demonstrated just comes along so rarely. You wouldn't, you don't get rid of that unless you know, you know, what you're getting in return is something, that, you know, equal or different that you need specifically. I, I wouldn't just flip Noel like they did for Carter Williams for, you know, unknown prospects, I would say. Um, but, I mean, no, that's a question they're going to have to consider coming up with the draft with, you know, if they end up taking a big guy. Um, what's your opinion on that matter with Noel? I mean, you'd like to think that Noel's untradeable at this point, but, you know, if they go big, that just really changes everything and opens up an interesting debate. Uh, Noel, at his highest value, could probably draw a lottery pick, possibly even another future first-rounder, or, you know, maybe an additional young piece to the puzzle that the team doesn't have. I mean, if you look at what Mozgov was able to draw from the Cavs who, you know, were in desperate need of that defensive big, you know, there's two first round picks. I mean, that's a large haul for a player like Mozgov. I think that Sam Hinkie would gladly, you know, think about an offer like that for Noel, but, you know, I would absolutely hate if this scenario played itself out. I mean, you're really torn as both a fan and a spectator to, you know, have to come to that decision. Um, I would understand it, but I wouldn't necessarily agree with it. I mean, you don't need two starting power forwards, so you would, you know, look for a trade of one of them out of town. But, uh, you know, what do you think of that haul for Noel? Yeah, I mean, you know, if if the right offer came along, something like that, and you would think if if Carter Williams could net, um, you know, net a potential high lottery pick like the one that the Sixers got from the Lakers, um, you would think that Noel would be able to draw at least that, if not more. And, and that's not, you know, that's nothing against Mike. You know, the reigning rookie of the year, like I said a couple minutes ago, I just feel like Noel's skill set is just it's so rare um, in the league that, you know, a team, teams covet that. Like if the Thunder pick, you know, they they weighed the, their options and decided that Serge Ibaka, who like I, I compared Noel to, was more valuable to their team than James Harden. Now, obviously, that might not have been the wisest move by the franchise. They haven't got back to the final since, and Harden's well on his way to an MVP season. But um, it just goes to show you that that skill set, you know, an athletic big that can run the floor, block, defend multiple positions, and finish around the rim, it's just, you know, it's, it's something that doesn't come along often. Um, and with that being said, you know, I, I just feel like that they, they should really, I think, and I think they do. I think Sam knows, you know, he's a smart guy. I think he knows what he had in Mike. And I think I know, I think he knows what he has in Noel. And like mm-hmm. you said, like, I, you know, if, if any offer comes and knocks, knocks them away, blows them away, they're going to take it. Just at the, you know, mm-hmm. at the point that they are in the franchise, it's not set yet. They're still building. 
But aside from that, aside from some offer like you mentioned, you know, with the, the camp or something like that, um, or the Mozgov, rather, the Mozgov move, aside from something like that happening, uh, at least throughout his rookie deal, I, I see Noel playing in the Wells Fargo Center with the Sixers. Yeah, and, you know, uh, last week the Sixers really started to gel again as a team, uh, went back to playing some good basketball. You know, they took the Thunder to overtime, beat the Hawks, arguably the best team in the league. Uh, what do you see out of the team in, uh, you know, last week's string of games? Hustle. Um, hustle and defense and, uh, you know, sort of a unity that I hadn't really seen since before, like I mentioned before, the trade deadline, which is fair. I mean, you take, you take the point guard and the leader of the team away to kind of shake things up. It's You know, it's bound, it's bound to be a drop-off in play and production and some changes, and I feel like, you know, over the past week, um, Brett finally was started to get back through to the team again. Um, you know, preaching the you know the tough nose defense. They held the Hawks to only 84, scored 92 themselves. You know, even though the Hawks were resting starters, it was they were the guys that were out there were playing. You know, they were trying to win, and it was just I, I would say the effort from the Sixers is what was really impressive to me. Uh, what did you see that you liked the most? Well, against the Thunder, you know, it was the offense that nearly won them the game. Uh, the defense was maybe subpar in that one. But, I mean, when you're playing Russell Westbrook, your defense is always going to yeah. be a little subpar. Uh, you know, he had one of the games of his life in that one. Um, against the Hawks, uh, the defense really came together. Tough loss to the Jazz, but was still a competitive one to watch. Um, you know, I think the Sixers, you know, are going to have some inconsistencies on both end, ends of the floor until they really figure out their new identity with, you know, all the new pieces that they added after the deadline. And, you know, I'm really happy to see Isaiah Cannon really start to get comfortable on offense. Um, you know, 31 points against the Thunder. Um, and then he had, you know, 12 points, five rebounds, eight assists against the Hawks in that win. And, you know, it wasn't his best shooting performance, but, I mean, if he can start racking up the assists, limit his turnovers, and, you know, really have the Sixers in, like, the plus column, um, you know, that's a good thing to see. Um, but, yeah, yeah what do you think of what do you think of Cannon's improved play, and do you think that's really helped the team, you know, this week, this past week? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it has. He's looked a little more confident, and he said so. Um, you know, he said so himself that he was feeling a little more confident, getting used to playing with some of, some of the guys on the team. And, um, you know, just moving the ball around a little bit more. <clears throat> I think, you know, we've both seen that it's obvious he can shoot. I mean, he's a, he's a lights-out shooter. But it was nice to see, I think, especially in that Hawks game, um, he shot – he was only two for 13 from the field. But mm-hmm. He found other ways He found other ways to affect the game. You know, he had eight assists. Uh, he had a couple of steals, five rebounds from the point guard position. You know, so it's nice to see that, you know – Obviously, shooting is his calling card, but if his shots aren't dropping like they weren't Saturday night, it's nice to see um, that he can find other ways to contribute to the game. Uh, I think he, you know, he, he benefits plays well off ball too. Uh, they did that for a while on Saturday against the Hawks. They had Ish running the point and Isaiah coming off the ball. It didn't necessarily mm-hmm. work well that night. It didn't work. You know, he like I said, he was shooting poorly, but I think it's it's a nice option to have someone like a dead eye shooter with range like that that's comfortable playing both on and off the ball. Um, you know, it's just an, another out perimeter threat to have on the court. I think, um, you know, he's not 
not starting tonight. He has a respiratory uh, upper respiratory infection. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to come off the going to come off the bench. Now, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if that was the start of a trend for the rest of the season, where maybe Ish um, kind of slides into the starting spot and Cannon comes off the bench as the backup mm-hmm. slash like spot up shooter. Um, but yeah, for him, I mean, I feel like it's kind of still an extended tryout for the rest of the season. He's obviously shown some some positives to his game, but I feel like he's also shown some holes and things that he has to work on. So, I mean, the verdict is still out on him. I definitely like to see that he can, you know, spread the ball around like he did on Saturday against the Hawks with the eight assists. Um, but what do you think about how the way Isaiah has been playing? Yeah, I mean, Isaiah has been just getting more comfortable uh, running the point. I mean, if he does come off the the bench, that's not the worst thing in the world. I think Ish Smith is has proved that he's comfortable as well in the offense. It's just really good to see, you know, him balancing his shot with being a true point guard. You know, that's that's something that Tony Roden had to adjust to as well. Um, you know, turning that scoring mentality into more of a distributor. So, um, you know, I think that Isaiah will only develop the rest of the season, but you know, now the Sixers have the Bulls, Kings, and Nets at home this week. Uh, any wins from this stretch that you see? I think so, Jeff. I'm actually I'm going to go out on a limb and say that they're going to take two out of these three games. Um, obviously, the toughest will be tonight against the Bulls, who have dropped three straight and are desperately trying to stay, you know, afloat, not afloat, but toward the top of the Eastern Conference playoff picture with, you know, their two best players, Rose and Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler, sidelined right now. I mean, you you got to think that Chicago is going to come out gunning tonight in a game that they should and are supposed to win against the Sixers. But, uh, you know, I was looking a, a couple a little while ago. They're only The Bulls are only five-point favorites tonight in Philly, which is, you know, seems a little low considering. So I, I think, obviously, the Sixers who have been playing can give the Bulls. Um, I'm not going to predict a win necessarily, but I, I feel like they could use their style of play to give the Bulls a solid matchup. And then the Kings and the Nets, um, they're both winnable games for the Sixers. The Kings, obviously, with George Carl, new coach, trying to figure things out over there. It's kind of, you know, a lot up in the air. And same with Brooklyn, who's been basically kind of torpedoing as of late. They've fell out of the playoff picture. Um, and they, they just don't look like a team with the, the fortitude to make a deep run. Uh, I, I could see the Sixers, you know, just kind of overpowering them and taking them down. So I'm going to go, I'm going to say two out of the three games this week will be wins for the Sixers. Yeah, I mean, I think that they're three very tough games um, in the front court for Noel. Um, it should be interesting to see how he handles, you know, uh, Gasol, uh, Cousins, and, you know, Brooke Lopez, just three really tough guys to guard in the paint. Um, actually, I mean, Thaddeus Young even has been coming on strong in Brooklyn, so don't count him out, but... Uh, you know, I, I think these games will be won from the three-point line. So if uh, Covington and Cannon can start getting hot, even Jay Rich has, you know, shown his shooting stroke as of late. If, if these guys can get hot on the perimeter, um, it should be interesting games in all three of them. I think the Kings realistically is the one game I'm looking at for a win, but you never know. Whenever I say – you know, I see this game as being the game they'll win. They end up beating the best of the group. So maybe the, maybe the Bulls will be that win. So, uh, but, yeah, very tough. I mean, they beat the Wizards the other week, and we were expecting, like, the Pacers 
they beat the Hawks and we were expecting, you know, the Jazz. So you don't really know where this team is going to win, when this team's going to, you know, get everything together and perform throughout, you know, the whole game. So uh, we'll see what happens. But, you know, once again, this was the State of Independence podcast. I'm your host, Jeff McMenamin, alongside Mike lukaski Um, You know, go out, follow us on that, Stitcher. We'll catch you next week uh, with more Sixers topics. And uh, for myself and Mike, we're out. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Was real cool in school if we got good grades. I straight up phase. The parents were taking to a 76 game. I got my game and there ain't no shame. Big shots of Mo Cheeks and Moses Malone. Julius Serva called Philly is home. Bobby Jones, Daryl Dawkins, and Tony sinking threes. Rocky Bobo will come from South Philly. But if you want to make it on time to the show, there's only one role that you really have to know. So get to Fishtown without all that job. I suggest that you drive on I-95. Want to get downtown but feeling the fix. Get on that road they call 670. The most expensive, expensive piece of business they've ever made. The battles ain't favored, but they got the game.